Welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show, folks. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and today I'm excited to introduce you to John Matthew Douglas. He is the co-founder of Nello Health and of iPress Forward LLC, and we're so excited. He's really one of the most well-recognized authorities on social determinants of health in the country, really a profound thinker, and we're extraordinarily lucky and grateful to have John Matthew on the show. So please stick around. You don't want to miss this episode. John Matthew, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Devin. Well, the pleasure is all ours. So, John, John Matthew, please take a minute, if you would, and, and explain the basics of social determinants of health. You know, this is a, a discussion I think most of us are really not nuanced enough to understand without a, a quick primer so that we understand some basics for the context of the rest of the discussion. Yes, absolutely. Um, social determinants of health. Essentially, social determinants of health uh, is about our environment, where we live, where we work, where we play, um, barriers that exist um, within our environment that may get in the way of our health, our education, et cetera. Uh, these factors you know, will determine life outcomes, health outcomes, et cetera. So that's essentially it. It's the environment within which we live and the barriers that exist within them that may get in the way of an individual becoming their very best self, whether it be health or well-being, et cetera. So uh, maybe I oversimplify, but I think of the evidence for this being a key factor in the real world is that we see the lifespan of people in wealthy countries is much longer than the lifespan of people in low-income countries. Uh, that seems like evidence, pretty fundamental, basic support for this idea that your circumstances uh, substantially influence your health and such. A am I understanding this right? Absolutely, Devin. And we can take it a step further. Um, we can go within, to the within the United States. And there are cities uh, that are literally separated by a zip code. And one zip code, you may see a life expectancy of 80, 85 years of age. And another that butts right up against it, you may see a life expectancy of 65 years, 70 years of age. So not only is this a global dilemma in terms of a wealthy company, excuse me, a wealthy country versus a, an impoverished country, it's also a reality within the United States when you look at a wealthy community versus one that is impoverished. But yes, absolutely. It has a direct effect um, and is intrinsically linked to one's life expectancy. Well, with that as context, tell us a little bit about uh, your new business, Nello Health, and how that fits into this puzzle. Great question. Uh, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of the Nello Health endeavor. Uh, Nello Health. Um, everyone, and we are hearing more and more about the metaverse. Uh, the metaverse or artificial uh, intelligence, um, uh, virtual reality, um, it's going to create, it is creating an opportunity for us within the realm of social determinants of health, notwithstanding healthcare and other areas, to go further upstream. And um, what do I mean by that? 
uh, an opportunity to mitigate um, many of the challenges that we're seeing um, within the area of social determinants of health. So with the metaverse, uh, we will be working with Nello Health or within the metaverse, we'll be working with Nello Health technology um, to improve the patient experience, which leads to better patient outcomes, um, which will lead to uh, a more manageable state of utilization of healthcare, um, driving down the economic burden of healthcare. Um, there's just a list of going on and on and on and on in terms of what the impact is going to be uh, with the metaverse and more specifically with Nello Health and the platform that we will be developing. That is uh, really kind of exciting to think about using all of this technology for jumping into the uh, into this process. Uh, when you talk about up, upstream interventions, tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish and when you intersect with people in ways that are uh, helpful early on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we think about upstream social determinants of health, um, it's actually um, those quote unquote neglected social determinants. For example, education, economic empowerment. Um, there is a direct correlation between poverty and health outcomes, wealth and health outcomes as we shared earlier in the discussion uh, when we discuss, you know, the zip codes and differences that exist within our zip codes from the standpoint of quality of life. And so when one goes upstream, um, we have the opportunity, whether it's by way of education, which is a gateway to a more prosperous life, or through economic empowerment, which is also a gateway to uh, 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 an empowered life, a better life, um, we have the uh, opportunity to position individuals in such a way over time, this is not something where you flip a switch and then suddenly there's change, but over time we have the opportunity to position individuals to be able to afford transportation, afford food and have access to it, afford housing and, and have access to it, um, create a, a pathway forward to generational wealth, if you would, that was otherwise uh, not there. Um, within the community. So when we talk about upstream, that's what we're referring to, getting ahead of the curve, not so much downstream where we are faced with the, the challenge and the economic health economic burden of providing housing and food and transportation for individuals who are in a bad way. Now, don't get me wrong, this is very important and we can't neglect that. You know, we have to, as they say, chew gum and, and walk at the same time. So, you know, we have to address those downstream challenges, but we are remiss not to begin to position ourselves and to position, you know, the greater public, you know, to have opportunities upstream, uh, most notably within our black and brown communities so that their lives and quality of lives can, can be what they are intended to be and uh, are less uh, susceptible to the crime and, and those things that go along with there are subsequent to uh, a community and life of poverty. One of the things that has brought us together is this idea of crowdfunding, where we can invest directly in diverse founders who are traditionally uh, excluded, maybe not intentionally, but traditionally they're excluded from capital markets. We see you know, the, the amount of venture capital that's going to women uh, half the, you know, who 
make up half the population and a huge proportion, uh, you know, around half of, or maybe more than half of all businesses. Plus, you know, we have uh, diverse founders tend to be uh, diverse populations. Our founding companies at a faster rate than white born in America kinds of people uh, like me. And so it, it's horrible in a way that we're seeing the allocation of venture capital, especially, but even other kinds of capital tends to go primarily to people who look like me. Hmm. So uh, how do you see crowdfunding helping uh, from your perspective in, in terms of addressing these health concerns? That, that's a great question. And again, there, there is, the evidence is clear, a correlation between poverty and health. But taking a step back, you know, when we look at the United, well, within the United States, um, we have an environment within which 80% of business owners are white, actually a little bit more than that, somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 and 15% Hispanic, uh, approximately 2.4% or so are Black-owned businesses. And then the rest are dispersed around, you know, our, our diverse population. And looking at this and, and going further, it's been observed that, you know, our Black businesses have a likelihood of failure, 80% of which um, that startup will, will fail within the first 18 months. Um, and why is this occurring? Um, this is occurring not because of a lack of will and desire and passion, great idea, great solution, but it's occurring because of a lack of access to the resources and tools and knowledge uh, that an entrepreneur or small business would need to ensure their success. Um, interestingly enough, um, with my company, I Press Forward LLC, uh, I consult with a company by the name of The Lonely Entrepreneur, who has put together uh, a platform, a SaaS platform, that makes it easier, um, not only for black and brown communities of volunteers, but all volunteers, excuse me, of, of entrepreneurs, but uh, all entrepreneurs actually, to access the knowledge, tools, and resources that they need uh, to ensure their success. So from the standpoint of super crowdfunding, where we have a tremendous opportunity is to get funding into the hands of uh, individuals who are managing or leading black and brown uh, businesses um, so that they can be positioned for success. And it's very important because there are a great deal of systemic challenges uh, within the banking institution that though well-intended, um, unfortunately, the resources are not getting into the hands of the individuals who would need them most within the black and brown communities uh, and businesses that are women-owned as well. So Super Crowd Fund provides an opportunity, an alternate path forward to do something meaningful um, to move those businesses forward. Yeah, it, it, it is exciting. I think for me to think about the implications of the, uh, the, the follow on effects from uh, investing in diverse founders. It goes beyond simply helping them with a business but it has impacts potentially on health and on a community's health. So this is really appreciate you sharing those insights. Well, listen, uh, I am so excited. We've got uh, John Matthew Douglas uh, here with us today, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back for you know sponsor message, when we come back, we're going to talk to John Matthew about his superpower. So stick around. You don't want to miss this. 
Want to learn from the world's great change makers? Find your superpower. Subscribe to the Superpowers for Good newsletter at superpowersforgood.com. Make your strengths into superpowers that will change the world. Join the super crowd today. Superpowers number four, good.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're here again with John Matthew Douglas, the co-founder of Nello Health and I Press Forward LLC. And we're excited to talk to John Matthew about his superpower. Uh, John Matthew, you have really done a lot and uh, you have accomplished a lot. You've been successful in your career. And of course, your entire effort has been to make a difference, to have an impact on the world, on people who are uh, in some way uh, disadvantaged oftentimes by uh, a system that has its uh, systemic flaws, making things difficult on people. Uh, and I appreciate the work you're doing to address those at fundamental levels. What do you see, John Matthew, as your superpower? My superpower is a committed life. Uh, and, and to take a step back on that, some years ago, you know, I come from very humble beginnings. I graduated from college much later in life, uh, later than you know your traditional student. And during that journey, I was taking a Western Civ class uh, called the uh, African American Experience. And working in healthcare at that time, I elected to write a paper on healthcare, the African American Experience. And as I was going through preparing for that paper. Uh, I came across um, what was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s last sermon or speech, depending on how you would like to look at it. Um, and it was the drum major's instinct. The drum major instinct, which Dr. King eloquently put into, perspe into perspective, um, was a message about redefining greatness, which is to say greatness is really about an individual's capacity to serve his fellow man. That is the new definition of greatness, and I'm paraphrasing. And if you want to be the greatest of all, you should aspire to serve more abundantly. But within that message, Dr. King shared the idea of living a committed life and that we should all, on some level, within our lives, commit to that living a committed life. What does that mean? It means that we are doing the things within our lives that are indicative of improving the lives of our fellow man, because we are all inextricably connected. Dr. King also spoke a great deal on that. Um, you know, what affects one human being affects another human being, regardless of where they fall on the economic strata. And so that is my superpower, um, the idea of living a committed life. And in living that, uh, my eyes, I would say, have been opened to certain truths and realities that, you know, before coming upon this knowledge and understanding, I didn't honestly think about it. Um, it, it wasn't until after that experience and, and writing that paper and being exposed to um, the disparities of healthcare, that it just dawned on me that more can be done. And, and again, you know, thinking back to Dr. King's message of living a committed life, if someone's going to make a difference, 
they have to be committed to it. They have to be committed in, in every aspect of their life. Not that we are perfect. It's not about perfection. Um, it's about good. Um, it's about doing good and, and, and doing good for your fellow man. That really is an amazing superpower. And I'm so glad you shared it and, and put it in the context. I'm grateful for that context with uh, MLK. Uh, he, he is such a legitimate hero for so many good reasons to all of us. Uh, John Matthew, as you reflect on your life and your career, uh, what do you see as an example of uh, an achievement, an accomplishment, a success that you can track back to that committed life, right? Uh, where you can see the connection directly between living that connected life and accomplishing that uh, thing that, that you've accomplished. What, what's an example? Um, I'll use the example of I press forward. Um, my company bears the name of a mentorship program that I, I founded back in the latter part of 2012. And I, I did so um, as a request from a public school student, excuse me, a public school teacher who had middle school students, middle school, in jeopardy of falling through the cracks. And, and when I say falling through the cracks, these are young men that were on their way to juvenile detention if they weren't going to change their life around, not only in school, but outside of school. And so I met with um, the educator and, and its school administrator to get, get a, a better understanding of, of what was going on. Um, they shared with me in detail the challenges that exist between the crime and the challenges of a single parent home and, and the students not coming to school. And, and when they were in school, their behaviors were not on par with what is required to learn. It, it was, it was, obvious that more than myself coming in uh, needed to to happen. And it was kind of it was kind of an epiphany, you know, the, the tenets of I press forward, which were structured around soft skills and resilience and and introducing the idea of leadership um, to these middle school students. Um, you know, that that is what came to mind. And so you know, these are skill sets that I had learned later in life. And I, I knew and felt that, wow, there's no reason why I could not have learned this earlier in life if I had only been exposed to individuals that were speaking in terms of leadership, speaking in terms of passion and commitment and believing in your vision. And so I put together this, this mentorship program um, that uh, allowed me to collaborate with some amazing human beings um, who were doing great work in their community and serving our country as well. Uh, chief among them, um, retired Admiral, Real, Re, excuse me, retired Rear Admiral uh, Ken Braithwaite, who at the time um, uh, was my boss. We worked for the same company, and he wanted to know more about the program. I shared the program with him. Uh, he then came in on his own dime and. And he sat in front of this school uh, of children, uh, not a large school by any means, but certainly impoverished and in a, an impoverished community. And uh, to his credit, uh, uh, Ken Braithwaite set aside what he had written and he spoke to the, to the students like human beings, um, met them where they were. 
And he uh, came to the meeting in a suit. He was well-dressed. Uh, his cufflinks were, they had the presidential, U.S. presidential insignia on them, as well as his tie clip. And he began to speak to the students about his passion and how he became passionate about being in the Navy and, and having a career in the Navy and, and how he had acquired this passion um, from his uncle. And he paraphrased what he was about, excuse me, he, he prefaced what he was about to say to the students with, no matter where you come from, no matter your circumstances in life, you live in the United States of America, which is the greatest country in the world. And you can become whatever you want to become. And then he went on to share with the students how he met President Bush one and two, how he met Barack Obama, how he met um, President Clinton and, and Hillary Clinton. And, and he shared the story with them uh, in terms of how he became a, a, a close friend of President Bush. Um, he was away on assignment. Uh, he couldn't give too many details, but he was there standing with uh, fellow servicemen who happened to be in the army and uh, another in the Marines. And as President Bush was going down the line and, and shaking their hands and thanking them for their commitment, um, he had inadvertently referenced uh, a Rear Admiral Ken Braithwaite as a Marine. And with all due respect, um, uh, Ken Braithwaite corrected him. And um, from there, a friendship developed. So uh, during that, that particular portion of uh, the, pro the mentorship program, uh, Ken Braithwaite shared his journey, um, shared how he met Barack Obama and he, you know, jokingly with the kids, you think I'm tall, you should see President Obama. And, you know, these, these responses were all the result of questions that were posed to him by the kids. But that experience, you know, I, I, I did that. It wasn't about me. Uh, it was about creating something that could take these young students, these middle school students, out of, out of the three or four blocks within the school that they lived within and the world beyond that through the lens of professionals who could talk about the work they did, but not from the standpoint of here's how much money I made as much as here's the work that I do. Here's why I'm passionate about it. Here's how the work I do serves others. And so with that, um, the program continued on for, for four years. And um, over the span of that time, like two years within the program, a uh, retrospective analysis was done where they looked at the students that were going to the program or participating in the program versus others who were not within the same school district. And the students that were going or participating, I should say, in the program, they were coming to school more often. Their behavior started changing. Academically, they were improving. And it was not a, a, a mentorship program of science, technology, engineering, and math as much as what does it mean to press forward? What does it mean to release your greatness? What does it mean to uncover your passion? What does it mean to believe in your vision? And so that, for me, you know, when we talk about a committed life, um, I was called to do this. I stepped up. Um, and again, it wasn't about me, but through the collaboration of 
uh, with individuals like uh, Rear Admiral Braithwaite and nearly 50 others over a span of four years, we were able to uh, be very impactful in the lives of middle school students. So, Wow. That, that's an amazing, amazing impact that you've had. And uh, I love the story of Rear Admiral Braithwaite. Uh, and, uh, and I love that he's able to connect with presidents of both parties. I think that's that's an inspiring thing for us to remember uh, yes. as well, right, uh, to be inclusive. Um, John Matthew, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. I'm so grateful. We have just a few seconds. Before we wrap up, would you share pe with people how they can connect with you and learn more about your work? Yes, absolutely. You can naturally reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's John Matthew Douglas at LinkedIn. Or you can find me on uh, Nello Health. It's uh, johnmatthew.douglas at nellohealth.com. Um, and you can also find me uh, within johnmatthew.douglas at thelonelyentrepreneur.com uh, um, as I'm serving both of those organizations. And Fantastic. Proud well, we certainly wish you every success, John Matthew. Thank you so much, Devin. It's been a pleasure. All right. Let's do some good. <laughs>